Good morning. How are you, Sojourn? Great. There you go. <laughs> I'm Mark Lawalza, one of the pastors here at Sojourn, and I want to just welcome you on this, can you believe it, first Sunday in 2022. I'm still saying 2020. Every now and then I say 21, and it's 22. So welcome to be here on the first ever Sunday of 2022. So it's a new year. We've had some rough years recently. There's a debate going on whether 2020 or 2021 was the worst year ever. Who knows? It's a, it's a good contest. We've all had hard times. We've all had difficulty, right? Maybe you had COVID. Maybe you had financial difficulty. Maybe you lost loved ones. Maybe you lost relationships. There's all sorts of things in 20 and 21 that can make it one of the worst years ever in many people's minds. But it is 2022, and when a new year rolls around, we're all about New Year's resolutions. Why? Because things are changing. Everything's going to be better, right? It's a new year, a new day. Something new is coming. So, have you made your New Year's resolutions yet? How many of you have thought about what you want to be different for 2022? Three or four or five, after today a lot more. <laughs> I just put it in your mind so now you can't avoid it anymore. 2022. We like New Year's because it implies a change. It implies something different. It implies things can get better. And we, so we start thinking about New Year's resolutions. I often make New Year's resolutions. They usually have to deal with the books I'm supposed to read, usually suggested by many other people, right? Um, I'm not a big reader. I read stuff, but usually only when it's given to me, right? I try to read more. I make these New Year's resolutions to read this list of books. And if you're like me, I make the resolution, and then a couple months later, like August or September, I realize I made a resolution to read some books. I pull out that list and realize I haven't read any of them. Maybe I read something else, but I haven't read those books. I don't have a very good track record for keeping my resolutions. How about you? How many have a great track record they can look back on the different years and see their New Year's resolution and say, yeah, I kept 60%, 70% of those resolutions. No hands are going up. That's probably a pretty good assessment, right? These New Year's resolutions are things we do because a new year comes around and it reminds us, at least for a moment, that there's a chance to do things differently. There's a chance to change things in our lives, right? There's a chance to out with the old and in with the new. There's a chance to be a different person. And we like that. We, we like the idea of that. Well, at the end of our sermon this morning, I'm going to suggest a New Year's resolution to, to you. And I'm going to talk about New Year's resolutions a little bit at the end. Um, but what I want to do right now is talk about our failures in the past in keeping these resolutions. 
you know, we, we schedule things. We, we schedule our lives around New Year's resolutions often. We put effort into it. We put reminders into it. Sometimes we even ask other people to remind us. We tell our New, our new Year's resolutions to other folks so that they will give us gentle, hopefully gentle reminders about them and they'll ask us about them. They'll motivate us to do them. But very seldom do we actually keep those resolutions. So the typical New Year's resolution includes working hard, setting goals, scheduling things. Different ways that we rely on ourselves to do better, to be different, to solve our own problems. But all that evidence, that empirical evidence that we have from past years says that's not going to work. It's not going to really change our lives because we can't keep our resolutions. We're not able to deliver on those changes that we're hoping for. So that brings us to our big idea for today. And that big idea is simple to say, but sometimes hard to do. Rely on God. Rely on God. And we'll talk about God's grace, and we'll talk about God's faithfulness, and then we'll talk about a New Year's resolution for 2022. So if you would, stand with me as I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we stand because we want to always remind ourselves of the place that God's Word has and should have in our lives. This is God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. If you would, pray with me. God, we are here in a new year, and we naturally think of doing things differently. We naturally think of new things. We naturally think of the old and what we want to do away with and the new and what we want to come. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would pull us towards you, that you would show us what it means to rely on you, show us how to rely on you, and that in this new year, we would grow close to you because we rely on you. We pray these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. 
So a little bit of background here. Paul and his team, they've been in Asia. And Paul and those with him are suffering. We don't really know what this suffering was. It may have been persecution from non-believers. Paul suffered plenty of persecution. It may have been something physical. Later on in this book, Paul talks about his physical suffering. We don't really know explicitly what he's talking about here. I kind of suspect it was persecution. But whatever it is, it's severe, right? It says it makes him think he's at the point of death. It was a huge burden. It was like being in 2020 or 2021. It was bad. He felt like he had received, he says, the sentence of death. So, can you relate to that? Can you relate to a time, maybe right now, or maybe in the past, that you suffered severely and were wondering if you would even make it? Maybe... Maybe it's a financial issue that never seems to end. Maybe it's an ongoing illness. Maybe it's a relationship issue with a friend or a family member that you never expected. Maybe it's just trying to figure out what to do with a job situation. It's not comfortable. Don't get along with your boss. Don't know if you should leave or stay. And it eats you up and you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. So we've all had those types of things in our lives and, you know, <laughs> hate to break it to you, but looking into 2022, you'll probably, or you almost certainly will have more of those, right? Something's going to come up that you weren't expecting that seems like the end of the world. Well, look at what Paul says next. He says, But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So what does it mean to rely on God? It's easy to say, sometimes it's hard to really express what that means. So let me throw some ideas out there for you. It means acknowledging that I don't have the answers to life and to my problems, but God does. Acknowledging that. It means living with the practice of looking to God and trusting that his care for me is exactly what I need and is far greater than my care for myself. It means living with anticipation towards seeing God's love and care for me in every situation that comes up. See, the suffering that Paul was going through and his team were going through had a grand purpose and that purpose was to cause him to rely on God. It was not something he could control. 
It was a deep burden, and it pulled him towards God because he couldn't, he realized he couldn't rely on himself. He had to rely on God. You see, God sees everything that happens in our lives. He sees all the problems. He sees the daily issues that we run across. He sees the good and the bad. He is not unaware. And what you're going through right now may very well be intended to cause you to rely on God instead of yourself. You know, a lot of times we say, sure, I'll depend on God when, with those really big things, you know, those things that cause us to pray hard, all right? Those are the big things. If it doesn't cause you to pray hard, it's something we can handle ourselves. And we think about those smaller things as something, I'll take care of those things, we'll just give the big things to God, and I know what they are because they scare me and they make me uh, depressed and think that this is the end and I know I need to rely on God. But God wants us to rely on him for everything, big and small. Look what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. He says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say my God will supply the big things for you. He says he will supply every need of yours, including those smaller ones that we think we can take care of ourselves. See, we need to rely on God for everything, big, small, and in between. And I want to just propose that we see this as an indication of God's grace to us. That he wants us to rely on him in every situation and not on ourselves. You see, what God knows about us is that he knows that we are not reliable. To rely on ourselves is a strategy for failure, and God knows that. And so it's his grace that puts those reminders in our lives that we need to rely on him, that we should not try to do this on our own. He knows, we're not re he knows we are not reliable. You know, we may be able to sort things out for a while. We may be able to make things fixed, at least on the surface. It might seem like we've got everything managed and under control. Right? Sometimes we feel like that. Oh, I've got this. Everything's under control. But we see in Jeremiah chapter 17 a description of the man who trusts in man. That is, he trusts in himself. Read these verses with me. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 6. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and who makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness." Notice his heart turns from God. His environment is like in a desert. He misses out on growth. He misses out on fruit and blessing. 
It's a parched land. That's where we are when we, that's where we, are when we rely on ourselves. And we're going to keep reading in here because the next two verses describe the man who trusts in God, the man who relies on God. Verses 7 and 8 say this, say this, Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. What a contrast. Relying on ourselves is a failing strategy. It's like living in a desert, like being starved for fruit and water. We know that. I know that. At least sometimes I know that, right? It's like trying to do all my New Year's resolutions on my own. I've failed. But being in God's presence, relying on God, is like living by a stream where we are nourished and cared for and we bear fruit and we prosper. You see, God knows that we need Him, and in His grace, He reminds us of that. He knows that relying on ourselves takes our eyes off of Jesus. So He helps us remember to rely on Him. And this is much more than just an opportunistic, I've got a problem, I need God to solve it, God solved my problem for me. It's much more than an, than an opportunistic statement of, I want to get things done, so I'm going to rely on God. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. Very familiar verses. I'm sure you've all read them. Read them again with me. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? See, we need God with our problems. We need God's help. But God also knows that we need God all the way down at the soul level. We need to rely on God for the needs of our soul, our soul's thirst for Him. We need Him from the, from the very deepest part of who we are. And in His grace, He often uses those difficult situations to remind us that we need Him, need him for the things we're going through in life and for the health of our soul. We need God. He wants to take us out of that parched desert and he wants to place us in the environment where there are flowing streams that lead to strong roots, to growth, and to fruitfulness. So we 
see God's grace and how, us, how he reminds us to rely on him. And we also know that God is faithful, right? God is faithful. We ask, why should we rely on God for all our needs? And the reason is simple, because God is faithful. He keeps all his promises. We just celebrated Christmas, the Advent, and that was the fulfillment of God's promise to provide a Messiah, to provide a way for a sinful world to come back and meet God again. When the Israelites had settled in their promised land, towards the end of Joshua's life, we read this in Joshua chapter 21, verse 45, it says this, Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. God had made all sorts of promises to the people of Israel, and every single one of them came to pass because God is faithful. He's faithful to fulfill his promises. And like the people of Israel, we can count on him being faithful to us. He will do what he promises. And God is powerful, right? And it's the power that God has that allows him to be faithful. I'm a father and a grandfather. I've got a bunch of kids and a bunch of grandkids. Man, I'll do everything for them. I will help them in any way they need help. But I've got limits. I'm not all powerful. I can't solve all their problems. I'd like to be faithful to all my promises and all my desires for them. But faithfulness requires power. And God has that power. It's his power that allows him to be faithful. Maybe you noticed as we read our verses this morning, Paul's subtle reminder of God's power. The last part of verse 9, I'll read it for you, it says this. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Not just any God who might be able to do some things for you every now and then, but on God who raises the dead. This is a God who has power to raise the dead, and if he has power to raise the dead, he has power to do what he promises. He has power to fulfill all his promises. He can do anything. So he's faithful and he's powerful. But our hesitations about relying on God, they just keep coming, right? They just keep coming. He might be faithful, he might have the power, but does he really have the desire to take care of me? Is that what he wants to do? See, we come up with all sorts of reasons to avoid totally relying on God, to avoid totally putting our trust in him. But look what it says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 9. It says this, Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, 
will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, Matthew is comparing Jesus to me, to me as a father and a grandfather. His desire to give good gifts to his children is far greater than my desire to give good gifts to my kids and grandkids. He has that desire. And those excuses, though, they just keep coming. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have thought, and maybe even recently, that you know God is good, you know he gives good gifts to his children, but there's a little bit of hesitation because I might not think the gift that he thinks is good is so good for me. I might not really like his definition of good. How many have thought that? Come on. We've all thought that. I've thought that. Well, you know, in truth, we are sinners, and we live in a fallen, sinful world. And you have to think that that messes with our ability to recognize what is good, right? We don't really know completely what is good because our minds are messed up with this sin thing. So I'd encourage you to trust in the one who completely understands what good is and completely knows the definition of good. Trust God who does not have a sullied understanding of good. It's a matter of trusting God. Romans 8, 29 tells us that we are all predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You catch that? We are predestined to be conformed to the image of the one who is completely good. And goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. As we grow in Christ, become more like Him, become conformed more and more to the image of Jesus, we will understand more and more deeply what this goodness thing is all about, what good is. And because of that, our understanding of goodness will become more and more like the understanding that God has the perfect understanding of goodness. And so those doubts about whether I will really like the goodness that God has for me or, or I will think I would rather do something else, those will, over time, disappear as we are conformed more and more to the God who is perfectly good. I hope that's encouraging for you. I hope that motivates you when you have that question yeah, God, I'm not sure that's really going to be something that's good for me. We will realize that we can trust God, who wants the best for us, who loves us more than anybody else loves us, and is perfectly good, and trust that 
He knows what is good. So see, God's gracious in that he reminds us to trust in him. He puts things in our lives that cause us to need to rely on him. And God is faithful. We can count on his deliverance. We can count on his solutions. We can count on his goodness to us. So, here's a New Year's resolution for you. All right? Here's a New Year's resolution. It's pretty simple. Rely on God in 2022. Not only for the big things, but for all your needs. And maybe we can make this more specific. Rely on God and you fill in the blank. Rely on God for this thing that I'm dealing with. Rely on God for the ability to make wise financial decisions. Rely on God for the endurance to live well with a physical ailment. Rely on God to be able to be kind to that annoying neighbor. Rely on God for the ability to endure sadness and disappointment over a lost relationship. Rely on God to know when to hold my tongue and when to speak. All those things that we look back on 20 and 21 and we see all these things that we dealt with, maybe not very successfully, and these are things that we can rely on God to handle. And, of course, maybe none of those fit your list, but let me remind you, something in 2022 will come up. So rely on God for that thing that comes up in 2022 that's going to catch us off guard, that's going to surprise us, that's going to be the new issue for us. There was a poll taken just a few days ago, and the poll was asking people about 2022, and in that poll it showed that 54% of Americans are fearful of what 2022 will bring. I kind of suspect it's a lot more than that. We all are wondering, you know, 2020 was bad, 21 was bad, 2022, how is that going to be different? But maybe we're hopeful. Something will come up, though. So let's decide to rely on God. So does that sit, mean I sit back and I become a couch potato and I don't do anything? God's going to handle it. I just rely on God. I sit back. Well, no, that's not what that means, right? Look at Paul. He's the one telling us to rely on God. He's the one who's had this experience that has caused him to realize he has to rely on God. Did Paul sit back and do nothing? No. Paul went on dangerous, hard trips all the time. He went to dangerous places. He wrote letters to churches. Sometimes they were letters that were calling those churches to account. 
Paul made tents for a living. Paul was not a couch potato. He didn't turn on Netflix and sit back. But instead, he was very active for God. So relying on God doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. It means we realize that we don't have the solutions, but God does. God has the solutions. But still, relying on God can be pretty hard to grasp. How do I do it? So I want to give you four helps from our passage this morning to think about as you rely on God. The first is share your struggle. What was the first thing that Paul said in this passage? He said, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers. He was sharing his struggle. His life group knew about it. His believing friends knew what he was going through. Share your struggle. That's kind of hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Especially if it's something that we're maybe a little bit embarrassed about. You know, I made some stupid financial decisions and now I'm in a hole. Share your struggle. Let's rely on God and let's start by sharing our struggle with our gospel community. We share our struggles because we need the help of our gospel community. Again, as we've said many times from this pulpit, the Christian life is not something that we're meant to live alone. We're meant to live it with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we have life groups. That's why we encourage you to have a close group of believers that you can share your struggles with. Notice what verse 11 said in our passage this morning. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Share your struggles so that you can be prayed for. And let's reverse that also. Let's, let's think about that from the other side. Someone shares what they're going through to you as a believer. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to pray for them. So let's pray for each other because they're sharing their difficulty with us. Second help is remember that relying on God is often a purpose for difficulty. Verse 9 says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. There was a purpose for this. Isn't it interesting how so often just the knowledge that there's a purpose here is such a great help? There's a purpose here. Maybe we can even say that there's an opportunity here. With this difficulty, there's an opportunity to go back, take your reliance off of yourself, and to rely on God. So there's a purpose in this difficulty. A third help, recall God's deliverance in the past. Recall God's deliverance in the past. Verse 10, in verse 10, Paul says, He delivered us from such a deadly peril. Paul is recalling that God has delivered him in the past. In this struggle, whatever it was that he was going through in Asia, he's remembering God's deliverance. Remembering what God has done in the past reminds us that he is able 
that he wants to deliver us, that that's the kind of God that he is. In another of Paul's letters, we see him recalling God's ultimate deliverance from the eternity of death without God. And this leads to trusting him in the future. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God has delivered us from certain death because of sin. That's what he's done for us. So let's review that and remember that he has the faithfulness and the power and the goodwill to deliver us from things going forward as well. So recall God's deliverance in the past. And then the fourth help from our verses this morning is to set your hope on his future deliverance. Set your hope on that. Expect that. Look with expectation at what God will do for you in the future. Verse 10 says, And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Set your hope on his future deliverance. Now let me remind you that God never promises to change our circumstances in this life. That financial difficulty you're dealing with, God may choose to have that in your life until you die. Or he may solve it next month. We don't know what God will do with our circumstances. He might change them, or he might tell you you're going to wait until his second advent before that is all taken care of from a circumstance perspective. But one thing is sure. He wants you to rely on him and hope in him. Hope in him for the ability to endure, for the ability to enjoy God for who he is regardless of your circumstances. Let him deliver you from a joyless life, from a life where your eyes are always on your circumstances rather than on God himself. So there's my New Year's resolution for you. Rely on God. What a, what a, what I hope, what a hopeful way to look forward into this new year. We can rely on God for everything. He wants us to rely on Him. He entreats us to rely on Him for everything, to see Him as the God who cares about us and wants to give good gifts to us and the God who delivers us. Let's remember His track record of deliverance. Now, for some of you, you might be thinking, what are you talking about? His track record of deliverance. What deliverance are you talking about? You know, that's a good question, and that is the right question. See, because Jesus 
is offering you, if you are not yet a believer, he is offering you the greatest of all deliverances. That's why we celebrate Christmas. He became a baby. He grew into a man. He lived a sinless life. He died. And because, again, of his power, he was able to be raised. And through that process, he offered us deliverance from sin. He didn't stay dead. He defeated, he defeated death so that he could deliver us from death. So I would say, if you are not a believer, maybe that's the next step for you, is to rely on God in his deliverance of you from sin. Paul tells us in Romans that the wages of sin is death, and you can't save yourself from that. You cannot deliver yourself from that. But Jesus can. Jesus can deliver you from that death. And so if you are curious about that and you want to know more about that, I would love to talk with you afterwards. Just catch me. I'd love to tell you about the deliverance that Jesus brings to you, that Jesus wants for you because he always gives good things to those he loves. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a meal. And he took it with his disciples, those close to him, his inner circle of gospel community. And that meal was for the purpose of recalling and remembering the deliverance that God provides, in this case was going to provide. And he asked us to celebrate that as well. He asked us to celebrate that meal. So we do that every Sunday. Up here we have bread and wine. And we'll come up and we'll take the bread and we'll eat it and we'll take the wine and we'll drink it. It's not really wine, it's grape juice, right? We'll drink it. Um, but that's because we want to remember what God has done for us. We want to remember his deliverance. And what a great way to start 2022, to remember the deliverance of God. And so we'll take the bread, and Jesus said, this is my bread, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And we will drink the grape juice. And Jesus said, this is my blood. This represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for you, the blood that brought about our deliverance. So if you're a believer, I would encourage you to come up front there will be people standing up here who will say some words to you, and I would encourage you to listen to what they say and take the bread and the grape juice and celebrate with us this great, this grand deliverance that God has given to us. If you're not a believer, I would encourage you just to sit back and think about these things. This is nothing magical. This is just a family meal for those who are, have been delivered and brought into God's family. I would encourage you, if you're not a believer, just to sit back and instead take the deliverance that Jesus offers for your sin and prepare yourself in this way to share God's meal, this communion meal, next week. So if you would, pray with me. God, you are a God who delivers. You have proven that over 
and over again. You are a God who loves us and wants to give us good things. And you showed that by giving your life for us. As we come and we eat this bread and drink this juice, Lord, we just want to be reminded of who you are and the power you have that delivered us from a certain death. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.